podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. It's Kevin Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. What you got? Four more days? Thursday. Three more after today. I can't wait. Honestly, like I think today, gotta to say yesterday, I struggled. I was like, didn't feel great and just thought to myself, I'm not sure I can do this. How many more days? Five days. But this morning I woke up with a spring in my step. I went into the garden, had a few, had a little two or three minute run, which didn't go very well. And uh, run to the kitchen. No, I was just like running around. Oh, yeah, just running around. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see, like, check the lung capacity. Wasn't great, okay. um, but I feel good today. I feel us like slowly, virtually a hundred percent. So, fingers crossed that continues, and then we can get straight back to it, son. And then hopefully, I'm immune. Hopefully, what? How's your dad? He's all right, actually. He was a bit rough yesterday. Said he had the sweats. Uh, and he feels much better today. He says he's got a cough. Um, but that's it. We were just... He was taking the piss out of me because he said someone tweeted saying, fucking hell, Barry Earn gave Eddie Hearn an empire and Eddie Earn gave Barry Earn COVID. Yeah. He so, might have given it to you, though. Maybe. But I think when you look at the levels... I've learned so much about it. Like the levels of uh, from the test, it's likely that I gave it to him. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> but I, I I will not officially confirm that. No. So after your isolation period is up, what yep. do you do? Do you go and get tested straight away? No, you don't have to get tested, but you will have to get tested for certain things. So, for instance, next week's show against Ritson, I will have to get tested. Now, when I come out of my isolation, I'm no longer... I've actually got this exact conversation now going on across snooker and darts because some players are testing positive. And with the Premier League football, where you, when you test positive, you don't have to test again for 90 days because it might come up that you're positive, but you're not infectious. Do you know what I mean? Right. So there is a chance next week that I could... Even though I'm not infectious and you know I'm out of isolation that I test positive again but and that might have an effect on me even going to the Ritson fight do you know what I mean but the the fact is is after your 10 day isolation from your test you're no longer infectious so you're free to go but if I wanted to go somewhere that required testing or if I wanted to go to the show and the board said the only way you can go is if you provide a negative test even though I'm not infectious and no danger to anyone, maybe the test's still positive. That's a big problem at the moment. Mm. So you're just going to get tested as you would normally during a, a, a yeah. current fight week, yes, yeah. next yeah. week. I mean, maybe I don't go to... Um, you know, the only reason I wouldn't have to be tested is if I went to the show but sat outside of the you know yeah. that zone. So, uh, But I should... You know, I'd, I'd like to get tested because I'd like to understand how it all works. You know, um, there, are, there are snooker players who have tested positive and then go into their 10-day isolation and then are, are free to come out and play, but they have to get retested. Mm. But what they're saying is, well, hang on a minute, what if I'm not infectious and, you know, and the government says I'm allowed to go back to work, mm. but the test might show a fragment of COVID-19 still in the, the trace, for example, even though you're not infectious. So it's just like, crazy, man. It's very complicated. But as long as you're all right, yeah, I suppose you'd want to get tested yourself as soon as you can. Just, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. like, uh, I think my, I finish on Sunday, so I'll probably get tested on Monday. Yeah. And then if I tested positive, I'd probably get tested again at the boxing on Wednesday yeah. or Thursday. And then if I test positive again, then you'd have to speak to the board. The board would probably say you can't you can't come or to the you know, to the bubble. 
even though I'm not infectious and there's no risk. So I don't know. It's a bit of a strange one. So, so just one more question about this. If you got, say you tested positive on Monday again, right? Mm-hmm. Would you not have to go into another 10 day thing? No, no, no don't no. worry about that. Okay. No. No. But otherwise you might be there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, by law, by government law, once you've tested positive and you've done your 10 days of isolation, you don't have to be retested or anything. You're just, you're non-infectious and you're off. You're off. Um, but also, you should have no, other than they said, other than a um, loss of taste or smell or a cough, like you may still have those, but I, I believe if you have a, a temperature, you're still not allowed to go out. Okay. Has your temperature been high? No. 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 I felt, I just felt, I just felt a bit grotty. You know, like when you get out of bed and you just, your legs go a little bit. And then, I, and now I feel like I've got a cold. And I've, my, I've lost my taste and smell now, but it's because I've got a bunged up nose as well. So, God, I suppose I've got a cough. I don't know, I might cough a dozen times a day. But my old man's got a bit of a cough today. He had a temp, I think he had a temperature yesterday. But he was up. He's been walking around the garden today. Feels feels good. Two or three people I've been on the phone to about you over the last few days have gone to me, mate. This is definitely a publicity stunt from her. Oh, mate, like, it's just a bit. I was like, really own. It really own. Everything's a publicity stunt, apparently. That I do. What was the last one? Oh, the, you know, the shamal motherfuckers. Do you know how many people have come to me and gone? See, that, that, that weren't real, was it? I'm like, what do you mean it weren't real? It's like. You just done that, didn't you? For a few, for a few views. I'm like, no. It's a bit sad. I mean, what do you think I am? You know? No, that that Shimon motherfucker. That was uh, that was genuine. You could tell that was. You had no clue that was obviously on life. But I definitely haven't faked COVID. No, this is. No. Yeah, I you that. Um. So yeah, Frank Smith got through it all right the other day. Yeah, past his first match with team. Saw, I saw a couple of his interviews. I thought he spoke very well. Mm. Good, because I ain't going to do this forever. Well, well, what are you trying to say? Well, I'm saying that I want to, you know, my responsibility within Matchroom is not just for boxing. It's across all, all sports. So as I, as my old man takes a smaller role in those sports, I need to make myself available for those sports. So I need people in each division who can take control of situations and more importantly can be spokesmen and, you know, can, can do their thing. You can't just rely on me to be there all the time. And, you know, I think, uh, Frank done a good job. So, you know, you might see him do a few more bits and pieces next time. Let's talk about a rather eventful night on Sunday. Mm. Let's get the day right then. Sunday. Um, we'll start with um, let's start with John Hedges. Uh, a lot of people felt that uh, Yan Arden Arden deserved something out of the fight. Did you score it a draw? Yeah, I thought it was a draw. I, I, what was quite strange for me watching was um, I got a chance to be a fan, as we discussed, you know, on Sunday. And it was really useful for me to watch the production, the commentary, you know, the ring walks, everything. So I could just get a better understanding. It's the first time I've ever done it, really. And I actually text Adam Smith uh, after that fight saying, I, I don't understand you and Macklin's commentary on the Hedges fight. I said, because from literally from the first bell, you'd already decided that Arden had won, you know. I mean, the first round was very close. Second round, I gave to Hedges all day long. And after two rounds, it's like, it's 2-0, and I don't know how he's going to win it from here. And it was, it was like no one gave him any, any credit in any part of the fight. So maybe I was just one of those fans that moans about the commentary all the time, you know, and I was found myself doing it as well. So I think that it's very difficult over four rounds. I did have the fight a draw. Um, in hindsight... I think it was probably quite a bad opponent choice for a kid, which is what John Hedges is, an 18-year-old kid making his debut. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're in an environment at the moment where his opponent fell through and the only option he had was Arden, who was a southpaw coming in, giving John four days' notice and was very game and was a good fighter. So, but if you've boxed at the levels that John Hedges has boxed at, you should still have too much 
for Arden. And I don't think it was a good performance from John Hedges. I think he knows that. But I don't believe he lost the fight. Uh, I could see, you know, I, I think a draw would have been fair, to be honest with you. I gave him two rounds. And, you know, arguments either way for the other two. But, um, you know, I think it's very difficult to score a four-round fight sometimes like that. But I just feel that, like, from the get-go of the commentary, it was like, Oh well, wow. another. Oh, he don't look good. Oh, he looks like a boy. Oh, he's not really ready for this. Oh, so oh, well, hang on, just score the fight. So, yeah. Would you consider putting Hedges in with Arden again at some point? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he might want to do it. I mean, you know, I don't. I, it's not just a case of no. You know, that fight's over and done with. This is a huge career ahead for John Hedges. Yeah. You know, we won't talk about rematches and stuff like that. He's had one fight and he's eighteen. So what we what we do know we've got to do with John Hedges is take him nice and slow, to be honest with you. And that's not a criticism of his ability. That's just a fact in terms of where he is physically at this stage in his, his professional career. You know, he, did, he didn't look like he was physically ready for that fight. And this is always a danger of an 18-year-old kid turning pro. But, you know, it's a little bit like turning pro at that kind of age is a little bit like going to work or going to university. If you want to go to university, you stay in the amateur system, you keep learning, you keep having a much, you know, probably a more fun time because it ain't as tough and you crack on that way or you go in to get a job. And when you go in to get a job at 18, you're always in the deep end straight away. Mm. Right? So that's what happens in the same kind of way as a young pro like John Hedges. He probably shouldn't be a pro at this age and, and at this, his current physical, you know, condition because he's not yet fully grown he hasn't got his man strength so it's going to be very tough for him to navigate those first first year particularly in the workplace you know as you would do when you get out and get your job when you're 18 and try and make something of yourself but consistency is key hard work is the key having the right people around you and the right training team is the key but one thing i'll guarantee which is the same as going to work instead of university after three years you'll be in a much better position than you would have been if you stayed professional. So after three years, I hope John Hedges is 15, 16 and 0. And some of his amateur college colleagues will just be turning professional. So that's a, that's a good time to evaluate where we're at. Um, an entertaining fight, which kicks us off on the night between um, John Harding Jr. and Linus Udofia. Yeah. Um, Udofia getting a stoppage win in the ninth, I believe. What did you make of that fight? It was a good fight. I think, um, again, I think the commentary guys had it a bit closer than I had it. I thought Linus Udofia controlled the fight. Early on, it was quite close. But I don't think John Harding took enough chances, to be honest with you. I thought his jab was fantastic. And I thought Linus boxed well. I thought he was really smart. Great finish at the end. And you've got to love John Harding as well. He gave it everything. You know, he was tired in the fight. But I think, quite honestly, Linus was just too good for him. Um, it was a really good fight to kick off the night. But I, I, I felt that Linus was just slightly a level above John Harding Jr. And I think there's some good fights for him in the middleweight division. Are you going to look to work with Linus? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, you've you got the likes of Felix Cash and, you know, um, uh, the two guys who drew the other week. Uh, Cullen. No, not on my show, on, on Frank's show. Uh, Heffron and Bentley. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, so sooner or later, that British middleweight title is going to come up for grabs and it's going to be Felix Cash against someone. So, you know, Linus is right in the mix for that kind of stuff as well. Um, Akib Fiaz and Kane Baker. Uh, yeah. That saga comes to an end on Sunday night as well. Kane Baker was a bit aggravated at the end. Yeah, I didn't see him winning the fight. Do you know what, though? Actually, some rounds, Akib just gave away. So I did have Kane winning three rounds of the fight. And, you know, if he, if he got him winning three, could he have scrambled a draw? I don't think he deserved to win the fight. I don't think a lot of people felt that he won the fight. I know he did. Um, but I thought he did great. And it, I, you could tell he was frustrated in the fight because Akib was just too clever. You know, he tied him up very, very well. You know, his jab, his variation of the jab was fantastic. Head and body. Um, and it was a really good learning fight for Aki Fez. He's still, still a baby, still learning. But that was a really good test for him. And 
Kane Baker deserves a lot of credit because he didn't stop trying, you know, from the first bell to the last. And we'd love to have him back on the show. Um, UK has a new world champion in Chantel Cameron, who was very dominant in her win um, after, obviously, the whole way, the fiasco with the weight, etc. Um, yeah, she was impressive, Chantel Cameron. It's a big fight for her as well. Really, really impressive performance. Um, you know, Raujo was a bit disappointing, but again, going back to you know Matt and Adam, they, it was like from the get-go, oh, well, she missed the weight and... Oh, well, you know, she's not really trying. She tried, you know, and she hit Chantel with some fucking beautiful shots. She was dangerous. Look at Chantel's face today. Saw it on Instagram. Black eyes everywhere. Um, but Chantel was too good. And I thought it was a brilliant performance. And I think she announced herself on the world stage. A lot tougher fights ahead. But I want to move, a straight, move her straight into unifications now. A great fight is Christine Lenard too. You know, the fight, the... the a Greek girl that Katie Taylor fought. That's a brilliant fight between uh, Chantel and her. And I want to get Chantel in a position where by the end of 2021, she can be undisputed. And to do that, she's got to beat Leonard too. She's got to beat Callie, uh, Mary McGee, who's the IBF champion from America. And Callie Reese is fighting for the WBA title. So literally, I want her just to go unification, 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 and be undisputed by the end of next year. What did you make of the whole, what people are calling wardrobe malfunction on the night? Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? What a bizarre choice of outfit. You know, I mean, so it was, again, I, I, I saw it, you know, I saw a, a top falling down and I saw Adam Swift saying, looks like she's got a problem with her shoulder. <laughs> I was like, no, she hasn't. So yeah, it was what it was, but interesting choice of outfits, but... Um, yeah, there was a lot of people talking about that, but I was focusing on the fight and I thought a great performance from Chantel. Um, yeah, Joshua Barazzi, um Been out the ring, much publicised for 400 odd days and came back in a... It, it was... Yeah, had it I mean, gave him some good rounds. Yeah, I mean, I knew it's, it's hard because when you're selling a fight, I know I knew Kalich could fight. You know, we, we knew all about his amateur background. Spoke to Savage about him, you know, we knew he'd come to fight, but Coy was fantastic. I mean, you know, his footwork was excellent. Um, his shot selection was great. He was accurate. He was tough as well. Um, I've heard from his trainer, he's got a, looks like he's broken his cheekbone and, and his jaw. And I think that was why when you talk about the end of the fight, you could see when he went down, he was sort of saying to his corner, you know, I can't go on. And the thing is about Boatsy is when he gets you hurt, he's vicious, vicious. But he had to come through a lot in that fight. You know, I thought he might have busted his cheekbone at one stage in the fight. It looked terrible and, he, you know, you could see he was uncomfortable. And then when he couldn't see out the eye, Kalich couldn't miss him with a right hand. So it was good because Josh has never had to dig deep yet in a pro fight. And you need to, you know, I'd much rather see him do it now than do it for the first time in a major fight, you know. So he passed that test, you know. He's got heart. He's got he's got a, a good chin, and uh, you know we know he's got the finishing ability to to stop it when he stings you. And again, it was a great finish. Um, obviously Joshua Barazzi being linked with a whole host of different names, but I mean the one that really kind of catches the eye me is this Callum Johnson fight. Yeah, do you not think? I think so. I'd love to make it. I mean, you know. I've, I've that fight's really easily made, you know. But and no, no buts really. It's just you know, I've I've sent them an offer to fight Joshua Boetsy, and you know that involves I'd like to get Callum Johnson out ASAP. But you know, sometimes with Joe Gallagher, it's like us against the world, you know, rather than. I work, you know, for Callum Johnson. I, I'm, I just want to make a great fight, give everybody opportunity and give everyone a load of money, you know? So it's, it's just, it's just, I want to speed it up, you know? So I've sent them the offer. I want to read their thoughts on the offer because I want to get Callum Johnson active. He's a fantastic fighter. And by the way, you know, off the performance the other night, Joshua Boatsy, Callum Johnson's a 50-50 fight. You know, Callum Johnson is the guy that has proved himself at world level, really. Boatsy, 
you know, all right, good good win on Saturday. But I do believe Boatsy has so many more levels to go through. But Callum Johnson is very, very dangerous. I just want to get him going. You know, he's been out for a long time for injury. Then he was supposed to fight in May. Obviously, that was cancelled from the pandemic. He must fight this year. So my recommendation is for him to fight this year and then we'll just go straight into the Boatsy fight. I doubt Boatsy will fight in December with his eye, but we'll have to see. Um, but get Callum Johnson out and then let's go. Let's do the fight. Brilliant fight for both. So Everybody what's the problem with doing that then? What are you suggesting? Nothing, nothing. I've made an offer and I'll wait for the, the you know, counter offer or thoughts on what they want to do. But the, you know, the option is there for, their, for them to fight in November. And then go straight into the Boatsy fight or fight for the European title. And then Boatsy, I'm open, you know, I'm open to anything they want to do. But just sometimes Joe goes into his mode of like Twitter. No, it's Callum this. It's like, yeah, we, we love Callum. Like, he's brilliant. Like, it's not, you know, it, let's go. So, you yeah, know. But ideally, would you want Boatsy out once more before going in for Johnson fight, considering he's not been out. No, I mean, no. look, the plan was always to box in December, but again, we'll have to look at the eye. It's not ideal. Ideal. Um, so, I, perhaps he won't fight in December. But Callum hasn't boxed for over, well over a year. So, let's give him the, the, the fight now, end of October, November, whenever it's going to be, and then we'll go straight into Boatsy or whatever Callum wants to do. You know, I mean, I want to just want to get him active because one of the big problems of Callum Johnson's career is in, is in activity. It's a great fight, though. It's a great fight. I'm I'd love to make it. What a fight. There's no excuse, really, not to make that fight. Yeah. Um, okay. The, the savage story continues. Yeah. Uh, stop it. He was only 80% savage, though. Yeah. I thought it was a I thought it was a really good performance. I thought it was a much better performance than the Shondell Winters win because I think in that fight he just looked like it was almost like it looked like he didn't know what he was doing. You know, in this fight he was more composed. He took his time. His jab was working well. He's got a great left hook, Savage, um, and he just beat up Nile Kennedy. He's a, he's horrible. He's horrible. You know, and if you're not prepared to stand your ground and dig your heels in and you know overcome those opening rounds, you ain't going to beat him. He, he does say that this isn't obviously going to be his style throughout his career. If he has to box, he can box. But obviously we've not seen much of that because we have seen that kind of... Well, it was more, it was more that way than the Shondell Winters fight. Mm. But I think that's one of his biggest attributes, don't you? You know, the, the style that he brings, the heat that he brings. And he's going to be difficult to beat in that respect because he's, he's horrible. He's a nightmare. He won't leave you alone. But, you know, as people start taking him rounds, he can't do that all the time over 10 and 12 rounds. It's impossible. But next up will be Tom Little on November 21. And we'll see what Tom can do. Talk's a great game. Tells me he's 100% going to beat Babbage. 100%. So we shall see. Is that done then? Is that done and dusted? Yeah. No formal announcement for that though. There'll yeah. be an announcement this week, yeah. But it's going to be... Uh, that's going to be done for November 21st. Yeah, both sides agreed. Okay. Um, okay, so that was the card. So overall, yeah, a um, bit of everything really in that one. Yeah, it's good. A lot of entertainment from 7 o'clock. Um, yeah, it went well. Pleased with the arena, pleased with the setup. I thought the ring walks looked great. Um, yeah, really happy. Mm. <laughs> I, I went in there because I've obviously not been to that before and only got there on the... Saturday or whatever, and like I was just thinking, you've gone right over the top in here, haven't you? Like with all your fucking. Yeah, but we want to. We want to go over the top. We want to be different. You know, we want when you turn on our shows. I want you to go. That looks the nuts, and that's better than anything I've seen. And that was better than anything you've seen indoors uh, since lockdown, without without any question, production wise. So. We're on, you know, that's the way we want to go. Um, we're looking to go similar setup in Peterborough actually for the Ritzen card, which is the yeah. same Peterborough Arena there and hotel on site. And then we're looking to take a venue for Usyk Chisora, Katie Taylor, Dillian White Povetkin, and Billy Joe Saunders uh, in one venue during that period. 
Okay. What back to back? Well, they're not really back to back weeks. No, but it's from October thirty first to yeah. November twenty eighth. Using the same week. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your very intriguing card that you announced for November fourteenth. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Kate Utah obviously headlining against her mandatory Gutierrez. Yeah. Um, Nat- Natasha Jonas, I've meant. Uh, Terry Harper, sorry. Yeah, against Anders, her uh, mandatory. Yeah. And a very interesting fight you've announced between Rachel Ball and Ebony Bridges, who yes. the UK fans, I'm sure, oh. are very accustomed to now. So, yeah, can you just run me through that, Edward? Yeah, so I wanted to do a World Championship triple header. Uh, and very important to note, this isn't a women's card, by the way. There's another three fights on there, four fights that will be men's fights, just that happens at the three World Championship fights, a female World Championship fights. Obviously, Katie Taylor had a mandatory due, so did uh, Terry Harper. We tried to do Natasha Jonas against Hamadouchi, but that didn't come off. So I looked for another world title fight. I loved the idea of giving Rachel Ball a world title fight because um, I think it's a great story. You know, she had a a good win over uh, Shannon Courtney. I felt like it was a draw, actually, but... um, I just think it's a great story. She fought for the interim world title before against Thanders, who, uh, who J- Harper's fighting. And I looked at the bantamweight division and saw that the WBA title was vacant. I spoke to the WBA and they were due to do a fight between, I think, a Venezuelan girl and Ebony Bridges. Uh, Ebony Bridges, I think, is six or seven in the rankings. And... They couldn't get that fight together. So I asked if the WBA, if they would allow the fight between Bridges and Ball. And that's how the fight came into fruition. Um, just going back to, obviously, Rachel Ball, we, we know that we've spoken about potential rematch there with Shannon Courtney. So is it Courtney to fight the winner here? Yeah, that's... I mean, I, I've signed um, Ebony Bridges and we have an agreement as well with... Rachel Ball signs. So that's a situation where if she wins, the winner of that fight can rematch. Uh, sorry, if Rachel Ball wins, she can rematch Shannon Courtney. And if uh, Ebony Bridges wins, she can fight Shannon Courtney. But Shannon Courtney needs a win. And she needs to fight a 10 round fight herself to prove that she's ready to fight for the world title. So I'm looking to get her on the uh, Billy Joe Saunders card and get her a title fight on that card, Shannon, and then see what happens between Bridges and Ball. Hmm. What? Who else potentially could feature on that November fourteenth card? Um, so we got a fight. Looks like Jamie Cox will return on that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be having a ten round, actually bloody great fight that we'd announce this week. Um, oh come on! I can't. I can't say. I'll wait. I'll wait till it's announced. I mean, it's just. It's just a really. It's one of them. You'll go domestic. Yeah. Yeah. You'll go. Ooh. Um. The Doc will be back on that card as well um, and looking at maybe Dalton Smith on that card as well. That's November the 14th, um, the week before Dillian White's fight. Okay. Oh, there's so much happening, Edward. No, it's good. I mean, I think think that boxing's doing really well, you know, considering. You know, I mean, we've got no fans and you would have thought that the sport would be in dire straits, but I think our schedule... Is probably the strongest closing schedule from now until December that maybe we've ever had. So I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm very pleased. Okay. Um, Bob Arum hmm. uh, went on one yesterday uh, with some comments uh, against Sky Sports, really, uh, saying kind of the, their pay per view situation is, in his words, a disgrace, etc. Um, saying that Usyk Chizora should not be on pay per view. Uh, I know you would have seen them comments. So, I mean, look, Bob says whatever suits Bob at the time, but Bob's sulking because he couldn't find a customer. That's basically what's happened. I mean, Bob. On one hand, Bob says that Sky do too many pay per views and blah blah blah, and he pitched. To Sky, top ranked did Kell Brook against Sean Craw- against uh, Terence Crawford on pay per view. So on one hand, 
He's accusing these people of doing too many pay-per-views. On the other hand, he's trying to sell them a pay-per-view. Don't really understand how that makes sense. Sky rejected that fight. Okay? So he was pissed off. Right? Then he came back and said, uh, his people, we want, to, we want this much money for this fight. And the answer was no. So he was pissed off again. Then his people got in touch with Sky and said, do you want to buy Lomachenko against... Uh, Lopez and they said look Eddie's got the budget we're not looking to spend any money on more money outside of our commitments on boxing so they never got in touch with me eventually I made Bob an offer for Lomachenko against Lopez to go on Sky he obviously didn't think it was a very good offer and he told me I'll pass but thank you and that was it but he's sulking because you know when you talk about Sky you do know that he's punting these fights out to everybody, right? So he punted out Brooke Crawford to Sky. They said no. He punted out Brooke Crawford to BT. They said no. He punted out Lomachenko Lopez to Sky. They said no. He punted it out to BT. He punted it out to ITV, right? No one wanted to take it. So you can't just start throwing your toys out of the pram because no one wanted to buy it and start telling everyone the world's a disgrace. Do you know what I mean? The reality is that is a wonderful fight, a wonderful fight. But also the reality is at four o'clock in the morning, no one's watching it, right? Because we know the numbers, you know, like Sky, BT, they know what it would deliver. And whilst it's a great fight, there's only a certain amount of value that that fight has on that time zone. So, would... Well, are you would talking I, about in general or as a pay-per-view? No, it's not a pay-per-view. No, to just to go just, on... Just to have it, yeah. Yeah, so we, I made them an offer based on the value of that kind of... Uh, that, that kind of viewership at that kind of time in the morning. And I, I made him that offer from my budget at Sky which I really need right now, to be honest with you, to try and make sure we can get our fighters out as much as possible or at all this year. So, yeah, I mean, but again, number one, he's been trying to sell pay-per-views to Sky for years and years and years. But number two, isn't Lomachenko against Lopez pay-per-view? In America? No, in the UK. It's on Fight TV. Well, that's... Yeah. My question. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So pay-per-views a joke. You've got to give people value for money at this time. Well, it's disgusting, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, here's Lomachenko Lopez at four o'clock in the morning. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, listen, I love Bob. I think he's great, but the contradictions are on another level. I mean, I guess we're all guilty of that, but yeah, you know, I, I thought it was very strange and it was just that he's got the ump. He made Brooke Crawford, and he felt like that would have huge UK TV value, and he he can't get a customer. But it is a great fight. It is a great fight. Yeah, Lomachenko Lopez is a great fight. You know, and uh, listen, I wish Sky would have had it. I, I, I have to be honest. But we're in a world where you know Sky's commitment to boxing is unrivaled. It's unbelievable. And I hold the budget, and I'm very very privileged to be in that position. And we have a great partnership together. And right now, I really need that money to make sure I can get my fighters out. But I was willing to spend some of that money to buy the fight, but Bob didn't feel like the price was right. No big deal. Okay. Um, he's, made, he's made it very clear. He never wants a guy to buy another fight from top rank. I don't, I don't think he specifically said that. He said he doesn't care if they don't. I think he said that, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Same thing. What? Because he said that, then you're not going to work with him again. It's not. I'm not Sky, am I? But he's no, just saying, right? saying, but... I just think it's a strange thing to say to a broadcaster that, that he's made a lot of money out of in the past. <laughs> you know, I mean, he didn't mind me paying up, paying him up for Lomachenko to come and fight on pay per view on Sky, did he? He doesn't mind having a fighter, Pulev, on pay-per-view and making his money in December. Who's going to end up picking up Crawford and Brooke? 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, but but Sky definitely not. I'm, no, we're not. I'm not saying we. I wouldn't. But I have to buy it out of my pot that I have to stage my fights. So I'd rather spend that on getting our fighters out on our cards. Do you know what I mean? So and again, it's that, that that's a fight that would do a bigger audience because it's got a Brit and Kel always does good numbers but it will be coming in at four o'clock in the morning again so the the interpretation of the value of that fight to a UK broadcaster is just not top ranked interpretation that's the problem but the interpretation is correct because we know we know what those kind of fights at that time do so so Moving up, sorry, moving on from there, unless you had anything to add about the whole... No, I just watched it. I was just quite shocked with it, really. It just went off on my... You, you can tell. You know, Bob, he's just got the ump. He's just got the ump. That's all. But for Bob Arum to start saying about, you know, not wanting to do pay-per-views, I mean, he wanted to do Lomachenko-Lopez on pay-per-view. Let's not kid ourselves. But they knew it wouldn't hit the numbers, and they ended up getting ESPN to pay for it. And that's a good move, by the way. Mm-hmm. Sticking with uh, non-pay-per-view, obviously, Frank Warren announced yesterday that Joyce and Dubois will be available to BT uh, mm-hmm. subscription members. No pay-per-view, which uh, which is a great move. Uh, it's labelled for the fans. I suppose we kind of expected it to go on pay-per-view, but it's not going to be on pay-per-view, so... That's a good move by Frank. Yeah, it's good. I mean, he's he's managed to get the fighters to take a big pay cut and BT have stumped the money up. So I think it's good. There are rumours that they might be trying to do the Mike Tyson pay-per-view that night and run it into it. But I'm not sure. But either way, I think it's good news for that particular fight because I don't think that fight on BT as a pay-per-view would have done the numbers that it deserves to do because it's a good fight, you know? And I think when you're building fighters, and Dubois and Joyce are definitely still being built, you need to give them the biggest audience possible. And in that respect, I think it's great. So, obviously, I saw quite a few comments towards you and pay-per-view yesterday, you know, of the whole, these fights won't happen without pay-per-view, etc. So, how's Frank gone and done it with this? Oh, because, come on. I mean, you've got two guys that are earning minuscule money compared to undisputed world champions. I mean, Usyk is the undisputed cruiserweight world champion. He just did 500,000 buyers against Bellew on pay-per-view. You know, this is a guy that demands millions of dollars in purse. And, you know, Chisora's earned loads of money in the past, and this is a big payday. You know, the, the levels of purses between the two fights are completely different. That's why we couldn't put this fight on non-pay-per-view. And, 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 and I think it's great that that fight is going on normal BT. But when you're talking about the levels of purses, that's, that's why. It's not, you know, if, if, if there was a way to do those fights on normal Sky, then I'd much rather do that. But if the guys were earning the same kind of money as Joyce and um, Dubois, then you, that's a model you could look at but not with the levels at what these guys are getting paid. It's good, though. I suppose... Um, what's the first original fight was announced as a pay-per-view, wasn't it? Is that right? When, when they were meant to fight, George and Dubois, when they were meant to yeah. fight in um, yeah. April. I think, it's, I think it's good, and I think it's wise as well, because sitting between Usyk Chisora, White Pervekin, two, and then AJ, I mean, they would have got you know, it wouldn't have done any numbers and it would have been a shame because it's a good fight. Would you have stuck that fight on pay-per-view if you had them two fighters? Joyce Dubois? Yes. I think depending on what was happening around at the time, not not wedged between that lot, no way. But if there was no pay-per-views and it had a really strong card, I do think it's a very good fight. Mm. But you can't, you know, looking at pay-per-view, you know, and it's not a dig at BTs, but the pay-per-view platform's not as strong as Sky Sports is. It just hasn't been around as long. So, 
it was always a tough sell on pay-per-view, but wedged in that schedule, it would it would have been really difficult. And I think this this way is actually better for the fighters and the fans. Mm, no, absolutely. Yeah, that was a, a good move yesterday. What um, I mean, I know we already spoke about this the other day about the whole Fury Wilder thing, but as each day passes, it just I don't know, it just looks. You know, the 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 years coming to a fast end. Mm. You know, I mean, I look at the schedule now, start thinking about, you know, uh, White Povetkin is what six weeks away on Saturday. <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders on the twenty eighth is seven weeks away. Then Joshua is. Nine weeks, ten weeks, and then we're done. So the year's going to go real quick. So I don't know what Tyson Fury's planning. They must have a, an announcement imminent. They must do. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. So I know you had the 28th of November mm-hmm. as a potential date for Billy Joe Saunders. So does Frank announcing that on the 28th of November, Dubois and Joyce, maybe alter that date? Uh, I've got to have a conversation with Sky. I mean, that's that's always been our date for Billy Joe Saunders. I actually spoke to George Warren yesterday just about about the dates. And I said, look, if if we can move to the 5th, I don't have an issue doing it. But at the moment, the date we've been given is the 28th. So that's Billy Joe's date at the moment. But we'll see what happens over the next uh, week or so. You know, I think it wouldn't make sense for anybody to, to have, you know, I think one of the reasons Sky wanted us to go on the 28th is probably because they've got a big football game in the day that we can come off the back of. Do you know what I mean? And maybe that's not the case on the 5th. So it's up to them, really. Um, but if, if there was a way to make sure they didn't clash, maybe even timings, I don't know, or something like that, then I think it's something we should look at. There's no option to go on the Friday? Uh, I don't believe there'll be a Premier League game coming off on the Friday in the same way. But oh, I look, you know, the, the one good thing is we haven't gone on sale. We don't have to sell tickets. So that's the only good thing about it at the moment is you've got more flexibility over when you can hold fights. So Josh Warrington, where's he going to be squeezed in this schedule? So December 5th is also an option, whatever we do on Billy Joe for Josh Warrington. We're just finalising the Kanzu fight at the moment. Um... And, you know, it's just a case of, I guess now we're getting to a stage where some fights will move into January and we start looking at that kind of schedule now, January, February. But Josh is one that I want to get out um, probably on December the 5th. So just trying to finalise that all now with Golden Boy and their team. And Callum Smith? Callum Smith the same, really. Um, I mean, Callum Smith's on the standby list for Canelo Alvarez. You know, if, if things get resolved with the zone this week, then I think Callum Smith will get that fight this year. Also, if Canelo doesn't fight Yildrim, Callum Smith should get the Yildrim fight for the WBC and the WBA. So we're kind of in a little bit of limbo with Callum, but at the same time with him, we need to get him out and active. So we're kind of waiting on probably one more week to decide what we're going to do. Your card on the 21st now, so obviously Dave Allen's fight, when's that going to be announced? Dave Allen's fighting on the 31st, not the 21st, the 31st. Oh, sorry, I meant the 31st, sorry. meant the 31st. So, uh, on the Usyk card, um, we also have Selby Cambosis on there. We'll be announcing Dave Allen's opponent this week. We also have, uh, which we'll announce, we've probably announced now, is Tommy McCarthy fighting for the European Cruiserweight Championship on that card as well. We have a female uh, title fight on that card as well. And then I need to add one, probably two more fights, which I'll be doing this week. Okay. Um, Joseph Parker and Junior yes, Fart. Junior F. Fart. Yeah. Not Junior F.A., is it? <laughs> you prick. <laughs> junior Fart, yeah. Uh, in really Auckland, yeah. yeah. Really, really good fight. Um, undefeated Fart. I think he's 19, though. Very good amateur. Listen, two New Zealanders... Great time to do the fight, December the 11th. But also, you know, with the pandemic, great to get them a fight over there. You know, and actually the, the situation with COVID there looks fantastic. So, um, big fight. December the 11th, yeah? Yes. So, yeah, Dillian was at the the show the other day and um, 
Yeah, have you been talking to him much about... Yeah, I speak to him most days, really. I mean, he likes to keep quite involved, and we're, we're building that um, undercard at the moment, and he likes to get involved in that as well. Um, he's in good spirits, ready to go. He's deep in training camp. His sparring will start probably next week. Um, getting some good sparring coming in there for him. And crunch time, November 21. Absolute. I mean, that week's going to be squeaky bum time. Can you imagine? I mean... You know, he needed to win the first fight, but this is absolute must-win. You're going to be in bits that week. It's mad. It's mad it's coming around so quick. I know. I know. So it doesn't seem like that long ago, August the 21st. So, roll on. Edward, Josh Kelly. Yes. So, we saw some tweets going back and forth about this situation with David Evanesian. So, what is the situation regarding that at the moment? Situation is, I had a call with Josh Kelly and Adam Booth, and um, we just sort of said, like, everyone wants to see this fight, so what do you want to do? Josh Kelly said, I want to fight David Amanese. I said, Yeah, but what do you do? You want a warm up fight? He went, No. I said, Okay, so you know, he had COVID not so long ago, Josh Kelly, but. He's back training, but he's probably not training to full whack yet. But I want that to headline a card. So it is likely that that fight will land on January the 30th and that will headline our first show of 2021. It's a wonderful fight. It's an absolute brilliant fight. And I'm so pleased. There's so much needle between the two of them, like the teams as well. You know, like Neil Marsh is like goading Adam Booth. And, and I could tell with, with Adams and Josh when I spoke to him on the phone the other night, they're bang up for this and they want to wipe the smile off their face. And so it was like when I went back to um, Neil Marsh and said, you know, they still don't think Josh is going to take the fight. You know, he was, he was firing on all cylinders for March 28th, but there's part of them that think, Oh, he won't even fight next time. So we've got to put the security in place for him for that. And he'll fight regardless. But I'm telling Josh, Josh Kelly will be ready. Josh Kelly would be ready in probably, uh, early sort of late December, but I don't think we've got space for that fight then. So I'd rather do it January the 30th and I'd rather have that as our first fight to kick off 2021 because I think it's a brilliant fight. So you, your first show of the 21 will not be till the end of the month? January 30th. 30th, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Right, or do you want me to go earlier? Because I don't normally go in January at all, but seemed a little bit disappointed that we weren't going early. No, it's just a long time, isn't it, to wait, isn't it? So, yeah. No, it's not. Not really. It's a month, mate. No, actually, technically, it'll be longer because your last show in December is going to be on the 12th. So by the time that, people won't even remember you not doing fucking boxing anymore, mate. <laughs> it's like a seven-week gap. Oh, what a shame over Christmas as well. Mate. Um, are we expecting yeah, AJ Pulev to be announced this week? Yeah, I think this weekend probably get an announcement on that. Just uh, just signing contracts and getting that all in place and uh, good to go. Here, yeah, at the moment we're looking at options, but here is the most likely scenario. There is actually a, a music event been approved for the O2 for December for four thousand people. So I'm hoping that we can jump on that bandwagon and get four thousand in for the AJ fight, but we will have to see. Oh. But up until AJ, so like all the rest of the shows, including White Perfecting to Once we get that facility in place for that four-week period, we will be lobbying for a crowd during that period. A thousand, sixteen hundred, whatever it is. And that would start with Usyk Chisora. We're still going to lobby that for a test event. Okay. But every fight that I do will go ahead regardless of whether we're allowed crowds or not. Fans or no fans? Yeah, nice one, mate. All right. Have you got anything else you want to tell us? Want to add? I don't know. Um, no, I'm all right, actually. Um, all good, mate. All good. Just uh, Thursday tomorrow. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Out on Sunday. Let's go. Can't you just show us your, your little space? I'm not really. I haven't made me bed. Literally, it's just like a little tiny bedroom up in the annex. Like, what is it normally used for? Jeez. Bare room. Yeah, but who's, it, it's like storage, to be honest with you. Like, it's just 
clothes everywhere and suit. It looks like a lock conversion, that kind of style. Yeah, it is. Well, it's an annex. Okay. So normally no one stays in there? No. Well, unless we have guests, yeah. Family or something like that. But where did the housekeeper sleep and all that? <laughs> where did the, What? Where did the maids and all that, where did they all like the servers? I'm a separate house for them. So, yeah. The maid, the clean car cleaners, you know, the dog walkers, you know, the security, they're in a separate building. But you've got all this shit. Why are you making out like you haven't? You've got all this stuff. Oh, shut up. You know, mate, you know where I live. It's a little, little semi. You've got a what? You've got a little semi. Oh, <laughs> um, Edward, get better soon. Four Cheers, more mate, good. Nearly there, nearly there. Nice one, people. Oh, by the way, my BBC podcast is now out with Virgil van Dyke. BBC Sounds, No Passion, No Point. It is, a, it is really good. Have a listen. And uh, my book launches on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you haven't pre-ordered my book yet, I did get an email this morning to say they have just under 40 signed copies left at WH Smith, which is a really good sign because I only signed 50. So are you doing an actual launch? That's a joke, you? mate. No, I'm not. Listen, are you doing an actual launch, though? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be, mate, I'll be in the, I'll be in the old uh, bookshops. How you doing? Yeah, do you want me to sign your copy? Yeah, no problem, yeah. Nice one. You going to come? Yeah, of course. Am I going to come? Do you know so, why? Because I'd be gutted if no one turned up. I know. You wouldn't. You'd love it. For the, no, for I wouldn't. No, I would, no, absolutely wouldn't. No, I'd be gutted for you if no one turned up. And with the situation now, it's always a possibility. Not COVID, you just being a prick. Let's get to number one anyway. Yeah. If you haven't ordered it, make sure you order it. Let's get it to number one. Relentless. Amazon or last 40 signed copies at WH Smith. Quick one before you go. Did you watch uh, Zapeda and Baroncheck? Oh, what a fight. Fucking hell. I mean, I only watched the highlights, but it's all you needed to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Great fight. Unbelievable fight, yeah. Hey, Brood, thank you very much for your time. Right, uh, well. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.